Welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. It's crazy to believe that the podcast is over a year old now. And it's scary to believe again that it's got up to episode 51, uh, which, which is mental. I've been very, very lucky who I've had on the podcast so far. And this week is no exception. I've managed to talk Jay Alderton into coming on. Uh, Jay is an ex-army soldier, turned entrepreneur, speaker, educator, fundraising author. He's the creator of Train With Jay. His no BS approach on social media is why I think so many people listen to what he has to say. Uh, Jay also recently box jumped Mount Everest in aid of Chestnut Treehouse Children's Hospice and has raised over £22,000 and still counting. Jay, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. And thank you for the uh, marvellous introduction. I love it um, when people uh, give me a nice introduction because it stops me, you know, it stops me from having to waffle on about all the um, weird and wonderful stuff that I get up to. That's awesome. Um, and so tell us how the body's recovering from the box jumping, why you did it, uh, what was the, what was it in aid of and why you chose that charity? So f- for myself, you know, I've Looking at my background, I'm a competitor at heart. You know, I like competing. I like testing my body brain uh, to its limits to see what it can do. And, you know, over the past decade, or i say nine years, I've competed at quite high level in physique sports. But as I've got older, um, my love of gin has increased. And, you know, I've had my um, two kids now. My energy and that commitment to that kind of lifestyle has very much changed but I still have that kind of focus of pushing myself and I kind of found my way with charity events Um, and it's something that's really been immensely rewarding in my life because it's allowed me to channel that weird energy that I have for focusing on doing crazy things uh, to good use and the ability to use you know, a lot of my social media following to raise uh, a lot of money for good causes. And one that's really, you know, captured my attention over the last couple of years is a local children's uh, charity called Chestnut Tree House. Um, it's a hospice that only has about 6% funding of the government and it relies very much on, you know, fundraising events to stay open and the work that they do there is incredible. I mean, they work with life-limited children who are probably not going to make it to their 18th birthday. And it's a it's an incredible hospice where families and children can kind of get a bit of a respite. Um, they get support and it enables them to do things there that they couldn't normally do because they have, you know, heated uh, swimming pool in there. They have light rooms and, um, you know, the place is just phenomenal. And having you know, two young children myself, it really hit you know, kind of pulled on the heartstrings with regards to it and made me very reflective and also, you know, made me very motivated to want to fundraise for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this has been a bit of a crazy one with regards to it because I think if I turned around and said to people, I'm going to do a 10K run where you uh, donate something, I don't think people would be, you know, dig that deep into their pockets and likewise with a marathon. So for me, it has to be something that would make me question whether it's possible, but also make other people question what is possible too, because the kind of the scary thing with, you know, something such as box jump Everest, you know, it's, it was 14,550 box jumps of a two foot box and it took me 22 hours and 18 minutes, I believe. Um, and, it, and it's just crazy to think that is possible um, because something that I say is, 
really I'm you know I've got nothing special I'm just very focused on understanding the body knowing you know how the body adapts to certain things and understanding that yeah it is a relative amount of fitness but a lot of it is mindset and it's something that I am very very passionate about when it comes to training and, and most importantly life um, something that somebody said to me many years ago is transformation starts from the neck up not the neck down and it is so true if you get your your mind right and you know you understand yourself well then the body tends to go along with it that's that's amazing um and what made you come up where did the idea for the whole thing come from like in relation to the actual box jumping <laughs> thinking about it you know i'm not too sure i mean i i come up with these crazy things for a joke and then they kind of make my heart sink a bit and i'm like don't say it do not say it out loud because if you say it out loud then it has to happen and um uh, my first ever one was a um, sled uh, it was a weighted sled at 140 kilos and the reason that i chose that was because it was the most disgusting piece of gym equipment that i had in my gym it was making people chuck up after about 10 minutes and it was exhausting so i thought well do you know what let's see if i can do that for 24 hours and i think uh um, the next one was a backwards run, and I kind of joked with a good friend of mine, Ross Edgley, about um, my weird ability to run fast backwards, um, and then it just stuck in my head about doing a, a kind of a 24-hour backwards run, and I think with a box jump, no one likes box jumps, nope. you know? um, so it kind of spawned from there as, oh, okay, so let's just see um, if we can do something with box jumps and obviously uh, a good measurement of height is normally Everest so I kind of just did the uh, did the math on it you know Mount Everest is 29,030 feet which means on a two-foot box you need to do 14,550 box jumps so so that's where it started and I kind of broke that down into well that you know that's equivalent to about 600 and 600 605 box jumps an hour which works out about 10 box jumps a minute, um, every minute if you didn't want rest. So it's kind of a crazy thing. And once I figured that out, I just started at an hour, which was the longest hour of my life. And then two, which was the longest two hours of my life. And every time the hours increased, you know, I realized that <laughs> each one was no, you know, no easier than, than the other. It's just that my body adapted much better um, over time. Uh, my technique got better and, and the way that we kind of mapped it out and planned it um, was, was great. You know, I was really fortunate to have um, managed to achieve it, but also to have the right strategy in place to do it as well. You seem to have a good team around you as well. Dr. Mike was there as well with you, with you throughout the whole process as well, which is an important thing. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the most important thing. You know, you look at this and you just look at the cameras on me. Um, but my job's quite easy. I just got to jump on a box until someone tells me to stop. Um, everybody else is worrying about you know injuries, you know food, uh, the live streams, the fundraising. So you know it is a uh, it is a group challenge. It's not just my challenge. And you know I'm very fortunate to have an, an incredible team behind me for it. So very appreciative. And where can people kind of still donate the money to it? I'm going to put the link in the in the write up to it as well. So it's uh, justgiving.com forward slash box jump Mount Everest. Um, or you can go to boxjumpeverest.com and uh, just click on there. And uh, yeah, this has been an incredible amount raised. So it's just been uh, amazing.
to see all the uh, all the donations come in. And I went over to Chestnut Treehouse to hand the check over uh, yesterday, and yeah, it's just amazing to see how blown away that they've been with everything. So uh, yeah, it's been really, it's been a really good week. That's amazing. Fair play. Um, and I've I've been following you for quite a while, Jay. And your your message for for everyone, for kind of both on the business side and also on kind of the training side as well, has been incredible. And a lot of people can kind of blame genetics when it comes to our own training and putting people on pedestals when they look at kind of social media and stuff like that. You put up a post recently about kind of hard work beating talent and stuff like that. Can you kind of expand yeah. on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, like, everyone knows a quote, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed a lot, especially about social media and everything, is that talented people can be lazy. Um, and... You know, this is some of the things that have happened to me in the past. You know, I've become good at something and I've got a little bit lazy on it. And then other people have kind of progressed on because I'm, you know, just not beating on that craft. And it's something that now I understand is is important. You know, even if you have talent, if you work hard at it, you, you can become world class. But I think the reality of that is, you know, I'm coming from a place in business and in life of, of not doing very well at school, failing most of my GCSEs and only joining the army because I probably would have gone to prison because I was a little shit, basically. And the army drilled that discipline into me. And ever since I kind of did my only thing with regards to my business and uh, and everything that I do in life, it's, it's, it's an understanding that no one is around to babysit you. No one is around to see that you're doing the work. And one of my favorite quotes is what you practice in private, you're awarded for in public. And any person who knows um, how hard it is to be consistent on social media and to build a business and to serve clients and to juggle all that with a young family, um, you know, they understand, you know, one of my quotes is vote like a duck and paddle like fuck. And something that I show is all about Floating on surface is sometimes showing people how difficult it is, um, and that's where you kind of have that clarity with things. You know, I show people that nothing in life should ever be easy, um, and everything involves a hell of a lot of work. But to be honest, you know, you wouldn't want anything easy. If I gave you your dream physique, it wouldn't last very long because you wouldn't appreciate it and you didn't know how you got there. Um, and this is where all these lessons in life uh, come at you when it comes to hard work and uh, and I think it's moulding that talent into what it is that you love doing. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And you mentioned your, your family. You are a massive family man with two amazing yeah. kids uh, and a wife as well. And like, how do you find the balance between kind of putting out all the content and like, the amount of content you put out and now you're kind of going mental on TikTok as well, which seems to be the new platform. Your videos are hilarious. How do you kind of find the balance between work, fitness for yourself uh, and even finding your, your time for yourself? Um, a lot of people struggle with that. I think everything falls on a scale. Um, and to get experience, you need to go each end of that scale. Because if you spend all of your time with your loved ones, um, then you're not going to do anything kind of selfish for yourself and be successful. But on the other end of the scale, if you're so selfish um, with your own wants and needs, then 
you lose a lot of things as to what you're doing it for. And the reason that I've been able to balance things out is because I've been both ends. You know, I've very much over the last kind of three years ago was very out of balance with spending too much time on business and focusing on growing something and serving people and not enough time serving um, myself and my family and taking that time off and understanding exactly what I'm doing it for. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that has noticed in a change with me is that you don't, you know, I, I'm very kind of intense. I'm always on the go and I find it hard to switch off. But just because I do doesn't mean that I shouldn't. And um, something that I've been kind of learning to do a lot is rest. Um, we learn this in you know, personal training that stress plus rest equals growth when it comes to hypertrophy, but it's exactly the same for your brain and your business. You know, you need to place adequate amounts of stress and tension on yourself to, to grow, but the only growth that you'll get is by taking that time off. It's by, you know, if you're getting overwhelmed in your business, the answer isn't do more, the answer is do less. The answer is take a day off. You know, people skip going on holiday because they see that it's a waste of time when it's actually an investment of time to get better. You know, taking your foot off the gas and out the game sometimes can enable you to be back in the game a lot better. And, you know, I used to be team no sleep. You know, sleep two hours less and you get an extra month awake. And, and what's the fucking point in being awake for an additional month when you're exhausted? And a fully rested and recovered eight-hour sleep, Jamie, if I'm lucky, maybe seven um, can do a lot more in a day than a very tired and unrested person who is hustling and grinding till late at night and only getting a few hours sleep. And, you know, I've learned the lessons of doing that um, by making the mistakes. And I think so many people do make those mistakes, but they're just not self-aware or have the ability to change something until it's too late. And, um, you know, that's happened to me a number of occasions over the last few years where I have made the mistake of not taking time off, learned from it, and then got better. That's something I've always done is, you know, be open to people and show them, you know, the things that I've done wrong, and hopefully they can learn the lessons from myself so they can do the right things. I think that message is amazing. I completely resonate with that at the minute. I have literally, as of last Friday, I've moved away from face-to-face -face PT to go fully online. Joining myself into the ground for two years, 17 hour days, six hours sleep, no training had gone to shite. Like it was just, it wasn't a, a good place. And then it took something similar, like very kind of small, like crashed the car and I was kind of on the way into the gym and I was like, okay, crap. Now I, I need this, I'm taking this as a sign. I need to kind of get some sleep and take a step back two days later. Yeah, and, and there was, um, there was a great kind of analogy in a book called Essentialism by Greg McHugh, and he talks about the success paradox. People, people become successful because, you know, they go above and beyond for their clients and customers and they become that go-to person. And the trouble with becoming a go-to person is that a lot of people want your attention and time. When a lot of people take your attention and time, it means that you can't do the thing that you were known for or in the past when you were up to become successful now you lose that you know that attraction to you because you're exhausted and you're trying to serve everyone and a lot of trainers that I speak to they're not coming to me and they're saying Jamie I'm struggling to get clients it's usually Jamie I've got too many clients um, and I'm exhausted and my response usually to that is it's because you're fucking good at your job um, what got you where you are today will not get you where you want to be over the next few years. 
Um, and I think one of the biggest and hardest things that most people need to do is learn how to say no. Um, there's a there's kind of a great quote that they use in the Olympics, where you know the the GB rowing team who won all the gold medals they had this quote will will it make the boat go faster? And I think so many people need to ask themselves that before they say yes. You know if they're getting people reaching out asking for things, you need to ask yourself will it make the boat go faster? As in is this part of my mission? Is this part of what I'm doing? Will this make my business, my body or my brain better? Um, and, you know, if the answer's not hell yes, then it's a no. That's, uh, yeah, I'm literally, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm in awe of that. I, I love that. I'm definitely going to go and get that uh, that book and look up the, the quotes and stuff like that. Um, you put up a post about life being a grindstone and this resonated with me like, resonated with me like crazy. Um, can you kind of expand on that? I know we've kind of elaborated on a little bit now, but can you kind of go into a little bit more detail about life being a grindstone? Yeah, just carry on with that quote. I'm just trying to remember. It's, um, it was a John Maxwell, I believe it's a John Maxwell quote about, um, can you can you tell me the, the rest of it? I'm, I'm just trying to remember now because it was there was a bit more to it. I think when I was researching it, I literally have the question up in front of me. I haven't got your post up in front of me. All I have is the piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me see if I can find it because um, one thing that I'm very big on is when I listen to a, a podcast or an audiobook, I, I literally, if you were to ever watch me uh, on my walk, you'd see it's weird because I keep stopping and starting. I keep pausing notes. And, yeah. uh, and notes and I found it now. Uh, but it's, it says, uh, life is like a grindstone. It either grounds you down or polishes you and makes you look pretty. Um, and it all depends on what you're made of. Um, and I love that. That's from a, I believe that's from a book, a uh, John Maxwell. And life is there to ground you down. You know, life is there um, to give you problems. And I think the worst thing that most people wake up and fear is that they're going to have issues for the day and of course you are you know you're always going to have problems the minute that you wake up you have problems you know you wake up and you've got a problem because if you don't brush your teeth they'll fall out um and if you don't go downstairs and have a coffee you're going to be fucking knackered <laughs> um and if you're not going to eat then you know if you don't eat you'll starve and uh, you know it's this important thing that you need to understand is that you're always going to have problems in your life, but it's how you look at it. You know, every problem should be looked at as a puzzle because puzzles can be solved and, and problems can be solved. There's always somebody out there who has solved the problems that you have. And it's just a case sometimes of being aware of the problems, reaching out and then looking at ways to fix it. But also being happy with having problems because problems are good to have because they keep you busy. Um, if you solve every single problem, you'll be bored as fuck. Trust me. So it's all in how you frame it. Um, and a lot of my success hasn't come from success. It's come from failure. It's come from fuck ups. It's come from making mistakes. It's, it's come from learning what not to do. So if you are worried about doing those things as in failing and fucking up, then you're losing because you're not doing enough to, you know, you're not doing enough to learn these experiences to help you grow. Um, something that I've always said with my seminars is I, I've got where I'm at, I'm at today because I've made more mistakes than most. Um, the difference is I've learned from those mistakes and I've got better. So, you know, 
whenever you're going through a bit of a shit time and, and life is grinding you down, there's always an opportunity in that, as long as you're willing to look at it as an opportunity. Because, you know, if you fucked up, then that's great. Because you don't learn anything from a perfect week. You learn everything from when things aren't going right. Big time. And I think a lot of people can get also get, can kind of get frozen by fear as well. Whether it kind of like we've kind of, this will be kind of released in a few days or whatever, but kind of got kind of New Year's resolutions kind of being made up in the next kind of few days and in the next kind of few weeks anyway. And a lot of people are kind of going to be a little bit gung-ho mentality about kind of potentially starting off on their journey, but they could be also frozen by the fear of kind of going into the gym completely. Have you kind of got any advice for those guys that are kind of could be a little bit frozen by the fear of kind of doing something new, getting out of their comfort zone? Um, always be a tortoise. That's what I'd say. Um, everyone knows the Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare. And, and the person that rushes off at the beginning always ends up falling asleep before they finish. So if you are going to make some changes in the new year, one thing that I like to say to people is take it a chapter a day. If your goal in January was self-development and you went to me and said, you know, Jamie, give me 35 of the top books you've ever read and I put all 35 books on your desk and you wouldn't get more read by the end of the year. But if I just gave you one book and you promised me that you would just read one chapter per day every day without fail and, and allocate that 10 minutes to do it, by the end of the year, all of those 35 books would have been read. And you can look at that with so many things in your life. You know, If you are new to training, don't commit to going four to five times a week. Commit to doing three sets of push-ups you know, in the morning you know, or before you go to bed and then see what else you can do and then see what else you can do. Because when you compound everything that can be done very easily and consistently over a year, that's where massive changes happen. And I've seen this time and time again, you know, chunking down things instead of trying to complete things as, as quickly as possible. Um, over a period of time, you will see massive changes. And don't, you know, don't look to succeed straight away. You know, if you've achieved all your goals, in 2020 by february then what the fuck are you going to do for the rest of the year so be patient and and most importantly be persistent because it's what is done consistently every single day which is what produces lasting results i, I love that that's absolutely amazing it is, it is all about consistency it could be anything it could be anything to do with the business it could be anything to do with say releasing the podcast it could be anything to do with a weight loss journey there's no point in going with the gung-ho mentality it's it very rarely ever works start off with maybe two or three times a week even get out for walks try to reduce the food a little bit move a little bit more get your sleep in order and the rest of it should potentially fall into place um yeah and i think it's important to understand that e the easy things to do are hard to do um and a lot of people get confused when i say that but a lot of the time when something's so easy to do you don't do it you know it's very easy to pump up a tire on your car it's a very quick and easy thing to do, but then, you know, I'll have uh, an uneven tire for about three months on my car. Yeah. And so many people do that. They're like, oh, you know, I just got to clean that thing up, but it only takes 10 seconds. So you, you leave it to the end of the week. And, it, and when you understand that, that, you know, weight loss and everything is very easy to do. A lot of the time, that's why you don't do it. And that's why it is so difficult. 
because we don't value things that are easy, we value things that are tough. Yeah, I saw a quote uh, recently enough that it was saying that I think it was about a diet was that uh, extremes are easy, moderation is difficult when it comes to food. Um, so many of us kind of take certain things out of our diets. I put up, put up a post earlier about chocolate and people, when they start to work with me, are surprised that they can have chocolate when they're trying to lose weight. It's just, it's just people live in a world of extremes. It's just important to find the right balance that works for you. It could be kind of going to the gym four days a week if that works for you. It could be going walking out the dogs, playing with the kids and kind of finding the right balance. Um, so that that's amazing. Um, you mentioned also on another post about your kind of your feelings, which uh, your thoughts create your feelings, which is why we should always question your thoughts. And a lot of us can kind of get carried away with these. And I'm in the middle of kind of reading Robin Sharma's book, the the monk who sold his Ferrari. So I think just out of coincidence, this that quote seems to resonate with me a lot at the minute. Can you kind of expand that on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is so many people don't write down their feelings and thoughts. They don't ask themselves why they're feeling certain things. You know, if you're feeling anger or envy or jealousy towards other people or things, sometimes you need to stop and ask yourself why that is. Um, nine times out of ten, it's not due to that person. It's due to yourself. Um, a lot of things that we want to achieve and don't do um, end up following us around our giant mirror because they kind of reflect the fact that we haven't done something. You know, you'll have a massive polarization with people putting up transformation pictures and you'll get some people being inspired by that and then some people being angry with that, especially if somebody that they know has done well. You know, you'll get that envious kind of person because they know that they want to do that and haven't managed to do that. And I think a lot of people don't really deal well with criticism because they don't know where it's kind of coming from. A lot of people look inwards at when people are criticizing them instead of looking outwards. Um, and it's something that, you know, I've, I've practiced a hell of a lot over the past few years. I mean, I, I'm not very polarizing. I'm not a person really who um, is into you know, kind of tearing other people down or critiquing what other people are doing. I really haven't got time. Um, but when I do get the odd thing, um, it's, it's knowing that that person, it's not about me, it's about them. And um, something that John Maxwell said is that hurt people hurt people. Um, another thing I said is that, you know, we're all drowning in some way with something, be it debt, be it our health, be it our happiness. And when someone's drowning, all they care about is themselves. So you don't really matter. However, your response to people's out, you know, outbursts and that can be one of two things. You can fight fire with fire. Um, and you know, when someone's drowning, stepping on their head really doesn't help. Um, or you can reach a hand and, and help them out. And I think one of the most interesting thing I've noticed that whenever someone has kind of had criticism, criticism against something I've done and I've responded with positivity, um, they're usually very, very surprised and actually very appreciative. Just, and this person could have absolutely, and I've had people absolutely savage me in the past, but also then turn around and apologize because I've been so positive. Now, imagine if you will, that I'd kind of fought fire with fire, I've just solidified their opinions. So it actually pays to be positive in the world. Um, and it's a very, it's a very hard thing for you to do and to practice, but it's um, the right thing to do because you, 
have massive amounts of energy. Uh, you save a lot of time and you can go on to do other things. And, you know, I, I found that I have a lot more time to do things when I'm not concerned about kind of the opinions of other people. But I actually care that, you know, I genuinely want people to do well. And that's that's also very rare in this world of, you know, people actually enjoying other people succeed. And was that something that you kind of worked on over the years or was it kind of something that was kind of ingrained to you for, from when you, from a young age? Very much so. I mean, you know, I, I was a very, I still am a very stubborn person and I think the military, you know, the kind of the army in me um, was very disciplined. And when I left the army, so 2009, was it 2009, yeah, Christ, 10 years, um, I didn't have much empathy for people. I couldn't understand why people couldn't do things. Um, and I really couldn't figure it out. And then it took me quite a few years to realise how lucky I was to have had that discipline from a young age, to have channeled it into the right things and to kind of come out on top of it. So that added to that kind of empathy and understanding how lucky that my life is. You know, a lot of people say, Jamie, you're very lucky. And I'm like, yes, yeah, I am. You know, funny and the quote goes, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And it's true. You know, people kind of get angry when people say, oh, you're so lucky. Um, but I'm also kind of very appreciative of when people say that because I know that I am. Um, so I, I think it's just so important to kind of understand that. And it's very much changed that kind of mentality where five years ago, I would be that person who would, you know, putting the hashtags hustle and grind and, and outwork your competitors and all that bollocks. Um, but then I realised that that wasn't really serving me. There's a time and a place, you know, if you haven't got kids, if you're young and, and this and the other, then of course. But as you develop and grow, that's not a good strategy. That'll only get you somewhere. And it comes back to that kind of success paradox that we spoke about. You know, what will get you to the next level um, is going to be very different to what got you to this level. I love that. And like I know you you kind of, um, we may kind of mentioned kind of the world of extremes earlier on and you were in the, the bodybuilding, in this bodybuilding industry for a little while you competed. Did you find the discipline from the army helped and did you find it difficult to kind of change your mindset of getting away from that whole, that whole world? Um, yes. I think, um, you know, uh, Another quote that I love, and I, I keep talking about bloody quotes, but environment dictates performance is one of my favorite quotes. And when you are in, let's just say, bodybuilding or physique sports, you surround yourself with bodybuilders and physique athletes. So you're always in the presence, be it on social media and that, of kind of competition prep, food, nutrition, and all that kind of stuff. And nowadays, I don't really follow any any competitors or physique athletes and I follow different things that intrigue me such as gin and normal things um, but it also changes your environment and changes your way of thinking a lot of people think social media is negative and I'm like well no it can be incredibly positive if all you follow is positive like-minded people so it's just all about learning how to kind of channel that um, and, and, and change that that makes sense yeah and and when you did you when you were kind of on prep and stuff like that was it kind of kind of completely chicken and broccoli or did you find that you were able to kind of find a little bit more balance between foods and others? I've I've seen both sides to it from working in the industry. I think one of the, I think one of the most important things to understand um, is, and and this is where a lot of people get it wrong because uh, people think that 
bodybuilders are kind of kind of stupid. I mean, you can argue yes or no. I mean, um, I think one of the important things to understand is that with bodybuilding, it's it's not about flexibility and stuff like that. It's about suffering. A bodybuilder, even though he knows or she knows that they don't need to eat chicken, broccoli, brown rice six times a day and go on a treadmill for two hours, will still do that. And the reason being is because you can't. Um, and what you have to understand is that people associate their identity based on their habits. And if you identify yourself as a bodybuilder, you you know you're identifying as somebody who's probably in the top one percent of people who do things that other people actually don't want to do and that's fine because that's what makes you who you are um you're you're chowing down on rice when you know at four o'clock in the morning because no one else wants to do that and that actually gives you a bit of a superpower you're jumping on a treadmill for two hours walking uphill when there's a perfectly good hill outside because that's what you do and nobody else wants to do that and that's where you get your purpose and your, your drive and your focus um, so when I see people argue about what's right and wrong, it's just like, well, it's all contextual at the end of the day. You know, there's many different ways of, you know, when you look at people on stage and they're in great condition, you couldn't tell me exactly what diet they've been doing because they're all on a different journey, but the outcome is very similar. Um, you know, I know so many people who, who have, you know, even myself, you know, my first competitions, I killed myself. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was eating chicken, broccoli, and brown rice six times a day. But then coming into my last competition, I had a very kind of flexible um, approach to my diet. And one could say, I, but, you know, I came in just as good a condition from when I was rigid as when I was flexible. It depends on the person at the end of the day. Um, and one thing that you need to figure out when it comes to anything is what, what the best way is for you. Um, that comes from experimentation, it comes to understanding, but also understanding why people do things. And bodybuilders, are body, you know, they're professional sufferers. That's what you have to understand. It's like most people who are in insane condition, you know, when I look at the, like the, the British Natural Bodybuilding Finals, um, these guys, are, guys and girls are king sufferers. You know, they've got in that condition because they're willing to push themselves mentally and physically more than most people sanely want to do. Um, and that's also what makes them laugh what it is that they do because that's who they are and that's what they're about. Um, and it kind of comes back to a lot of things that I do myself. You know, I, I do enjoy that kind of focus and that suffering because you learn a lot about yourself um, when you're uncomfortable. Um, and that's where a lot of life's lessons come from. That's one of the main reasons why I liked competing. It wasn't to jump on stage. I couldn't give a shit about that. I cared about the person I was becoming during the journey to achieve that. And it's very much the same with a lot of the charity events that I do. You find out a lot about yourself, you know, 16 hours into jumping on a box. And was there, if you were to take away one lesson from the, the box jumping experience, what would that lesson be? What you're feeling right now doesn't necessarily mean that you'll feel like that for the rest of your journey. Um, so many people give up when they just need to push through. You know, I had a, a period on the box jump last week where I was in hour 10. Um, my left calf went, my quad went into spasm um, and I was really struggling to keep up with the with the rate that I needed to jump on the box. Um, but what I did is, you know, I, I, gra I grabbed the sports massage guy and I said, right, 
every single round that I finish every minute, you just need to whack that Theragun onto my quad um, just so it doesn't spasm so I could jump back on the box in 30 seconds time. And we did that for a solid hour. And a lot of people thought, this is it, you know, he's got he's got 12 hours left of doing this he's not going to make it and I knew deep down that you kind of question yourself in those in those time but I knew that that pain and what was happening with my body would pass um and and then within two hours later I was back in the game doing you know having better hours um and what's not um and it is very much an analogy for a lot of things um people stop because they don't believe that they can deal with this level of discomfort but that level of discomfort in anything you do gets a little bit more comfortable. So when you first go to the gym, it's very uncomfortable, but when you get into the habits and routines, it's a lot easier. When you first learn to drive, it's very disorientating because you've got so many things that you've got to think about and consider, but five, six years of driving, you'll get to a destination, sometimes not knowing how on earth you got there. And there's so many things that you can do in your life um, by just pushing yourself through those kind of things. And you know, I have the ability now to push myself higher and, and harder than I could five years ago because I've got lots to compare it to. Uh, and that makes things a lot easier because you know yourself better, you push yourself harder. And when you do go through that tough time, you're like, oh, okay, we've been here before, Jamie. You know what to do. Just, just put your head down and push. Um, and once you know yourself that well, and you've been through those experiences yourself, they can really help you, you know, hit a level much higher than um, a lot of other people who aren't willing to do that um, can. So it's, it's definitely worth putting yourself through it. Maybe not 22 hours of box jumps, but, you know, start small um, and just learn to get into your head a lot more um, and learn where all the all of these frustrations and fears are coming from. And the only way you're going to learn it is by putting yourself in, in, a, in, in these levels of discomfort. Yeah, I don't think, I think a lot of people, myself included, have been guilty of this in the past of kind of when you're looking for motivation, you kind of go and read a book or you listen to a podcast or whatever it may be and kind of looking for the secret answer. But I think you've just hit the nail on the head that you have to put yourself into those uncomfortable positions in order to kind of learn a lesson about yourself, whatever it may be. And that could be starting on the 1st of January, walking into the gym for the first time. That could be that could be your that could be your mental barrier. Um, so I, I love that message. Um, we're coming to towards the end, Jay, and like you talk about kind of a morning routine. This is something that I've been trying to get into now for the last kind of couple of years. Um, trying to make sure I kind of stick into a routine, make it more of a habit than kind of like a burden. Um, why is this so important to yourself? Um, and why is this one of those things that kind of people struggle with the most when it comes to kind of a morning routine? I think one, because people aren't used to it. Two, because they're just in these habits for many, many years of not understanding, you know, the benefits that it does have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with any kind of routine early in the morning. And what I mean by that is most people don't function very well in the morning. Yeah. I'm very fortunate to function well in the morning. I very much enjoy getting up and having a, a routine in the morning. And it goes back to another quote where you, um, you know, if you're like myself and with a lot of other people, you're you're in a you're in a value giving job, and you can't serve others from that empty vessel. So unless you're filling your own vessel up first in the morning, then how do you expect to do a good job? You know. 
what I expect of myself to be able to do what I do well is the fact that I'm well rested. It's the fact that I've served myself in the morning by listening to an audiobook, listening to a podcast, writing down my thoughts and feelings, and then being ready to open up emails, open up my social media uh, and serve. But so many people don't do that. They wake up in the morning, they check their phone, they check their emails, they're instantly in a kind of a response mode. You know, they wake up um, and they're instantly, you know, thinking about other people instead of thinking about themselves. And I think one of the most important things you can do in the morning is kind of get up, be with for five to ten minutes, get moving, um, plan out your day, and then start switching on all your emails and social media. Um, it, it, and it's so, so important. And it's, it's much easier when you've got kind of the right purpose to do it because you know the benefits of that far outweigh the disadvantages. It would feel weird of me to, to have a lie-in now. Um, and it's because I get so much benefits from getting up early. I'm very fortunate to live 10 minutes from the beach. So to get up onto the beach and have a walk, to jump in the sea, to do all these kind of, kind of things in the morning set me up to win for the rest of the day and uh, enable me to get more done because I've just spent that 10 minutes, that 15 minutes, that half an hour, that hour in the morning um, filling up my own vessel. I love that. I absolutely love that one. Um, so if there was one mantra that you live by, what would it be and why? Um, I, I think one of, the, one of the biggest things, and I've just had it on, on the, the back of my arm on my sleeve, is a is a latin phrase called memento mori uh, and it's kind of a, a, a stoic philosophy kind of phrase that means remember that you have to die uh, and the reason that i talk about that is because when a lot of people's response to that is oh you know thinking about death that's so somber and it's just like no what's somber is the fact that you think that you're going to live forever um, and actually reminding yourself that one day all of this will be gone enables you to appreciate the things that you have um, actually waking up in the morning, you know, looking at my kids in the morning, knowing that they're going to be gone one day, um, enables me to have this insane amount of motivation to make the most of what it is that I'm doing every day. So reminding myself every day that it's all going to be over actually enables me to live as opposed to, you know, not doing the things I want to do, not appreciating the people around me and the things that I have, and then getting to an old age and then just being filled with doing the things that I know I should have done so that's very much my kind of mantra and, and thought process waking up every day knowing that one day it's gonna all be over because it enables me to get so much more done yeah that, that's that's a pretty yeah that's a it's a, like it it can be seen as kind of a morbid thought but the only two things that are kind of guaranteed in life now is a bad joke with kind of one of them but is the kind of date that you are put onto this planet and the date that you're taking off the planet. There are two, two guarantees. I know there's the other one, which is the tax and whatever the other one is, but I, I think they kind of they, they, they intertwine with each other. So, Jay, what's kind of coming up next for you in the new year? Have you got talks coming up? Have you got, you've kind of got the, the business side booming as well. So what's coming up next? Lots coming up. Um, next week, hopefully, I'll be launching my new book, Meltdown. Um, that's very much going to kind of elaborate more on what I spoke about with my breakdown and kind of meltdown in, in, 
in 2016 of where it all kind of went wrong and how I made the steps for it to go right. Uh, next year, my focus is very much uh, something that I've kind of dabbled in this year uh, is helping a lot more fitness professionals and small businesses understand how to kind of grab attention online and, and, and you know, kind of drawing crayons, all this um, online guru digital bollocks that you see with the Ferraris and all that crap. And it, you know, for me, it's helping other people clear through all that bollocks and just go, look, this is what you need to know. Um, and yeah, I'm on a bit of a mission next year just to help other people learn from myself and, and obviously scale and grow their body, brain and business. So I'm very excited because I've got some um, awesome things coming at the beginning of the year that are going to help a lot of people. Guys, whoever isn't following Jay, please do follow him. His, his stuff is, is amazing. His mindset's incredible. He's worked hard on it, but it, it is incredible. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for kind of giving up. You've got a mental day ahead of you as well. So thank you so much for giving up your, your time today to have a chat with myself. No worries. It's a pleasure. Thank you ever so much. Thank you to Jay for coming on the podcast today. So this is the last episode of 2019. I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that has come on to the podcast who has given up their time to help the my my business grow to help me learn as well i never thought it as a learning experience for myself it's been amazing and it's very very humbling as well and i'm excited to see where kind of the podcast can go to see where the business can go if anyone is interested in working with myself um on an online capacity as a an online coaching capacity please do head over to www.chainwashfitness.com and we can book in a free consultation over the phone and we can kind of see if we are right fit for each other. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have an amazing Christmas, have an amazing new year. And as always, feel free to pop me a DM or pop me a message. And please do tag myself and Jay in this episode after the episode comes out and on your social media. The more people that get to know about what Jay has spoken about today and what's going on, with kind of the mindset side of things, which is this episode is very heavily on, uh, the, the better. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you have an amazing Christmas and I will talk to you very soon.